Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Epistle is from 2 Peter chapter 1. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Throughout every generation and on every continent, people have had thoughts and spoken about higher powers. For example, the ancient Greeks, those ancient Egyptians and Babylonians, had many inscriptions and religious buildings to worship and honor their gods, their deities that they subscribe to. Now, if you examine all of these ancient religious cults, you will find that there are some elements, yes, I repeat, some elements of truth to them. That is to say, most of them show that mankind is inferior and that a so-called deity is supreme, which means that mankind needs help from another, from something outside of themselves, from a so-called deity. Again, as I said, there is some truth to these ancient cults, that being mankind is in trouble and in need of help from outside of himself. However, there is much more fiction and speculation and romance than truth. You see, many of these false gods are nothing more than glorified humans plagued with human sin and deficiencies. And the other parts of these cults, well, they sound so dreamy and so wild that one might think that they originated from a mind of a person tripped out on drugs. The point being, these cults are fake and they have fake deities And they're romanticized fictions. They're coming from nothing more than invented stories of mankind. They are founded upon fables, heathen myths that were cleverly devised by human minds and passed down from generation to generation. Today in the 21st century, though, 
We find that there's nothing new under the sun. The religious beliefs of many contemporary people rest upon a foundation that really is no better, I repeat, no better than these ancient fabricated religions. Indeed, much of what passes for Christianity these days is built upon human guesswork and personal opinions. Sadly, my friends, poll after poll that is conducted shows us that our beliefs as American Christians are confused, paganized, and conflicting with what the Bible teaches. When asked about Christianity, it is almost as if Americans, American Christians, either guess or make it up as they go along. But why is this the case? Indeed, why is this the case? Well, consider for a moment the Bible. The Bible, it tells us about the history of mankind's beginning, the fall into sin, the salvation accomplished in Christ, and our final restoration. Furthermore, the Bible teaches us about the central character in this world, which is the Lord God. Indeed, the Bible tells us that the Lord, as the central character, is not contained in history as if he is just another mythological character in the story of life. But instead... The Bible teaches us that all of history, the beginning, the middle, and the end, are in the Creator's hand. He is the Alpha, the Omega. But this is not how we often read the Bible, my friends. You see, we behave and think the same way as the world when we reduce the Bible and the Lord into a small part of a vastness of history. Going the way of the world... Yes, going the way of the world, we make history bigger than the Bible, and consequently, God, we make him small. But there's more. We Christians make things even worse than this. We Christians, we reduce God and the biblical story even more by inserting them into our personal lives. Now, hear me out. Instead of God being the main authority and central actor of the world's history that we are a part of, we actually reduce the Lord to a mere supporting role in our personal lives. Simply stated, instead of us living and moving and having our being within the God of the entire universe who holds the past and the present and the future, well, we make God live and move and exist within our tiny world. And keep in mind, here's the key, when God is in our tiny world, he must play by our rules. Let me say this as plainly as possible. We Americans have this profound tendency to hijack, hijack the Lord and the biblical story and reduce them to the point where they can fit into our personal lives, where our personal opinions, our personal self-desires, and our personal agendas rule. As a result, the Bible no longer interprets us, but we, well, we interpret the Bible according to our own assumptions. Now, this leads to a very dangerous place, indeed, a very, very dangerous place. You see, once God and his word, the Bible, are under the banner of our individualistic lives and our individualistic spirituality, we have created a cult. Yes, we have created a cult, the cult of self. And with the cult of self, we reign supreme with our thoughts and our dreams and our opinions. Now, dear friends, 
there is also some very disturbing ramifications of this cult of self that we must take note of. It actually makes everything backwards. In other words, when individual thoughts and dreams and opinions become the ultimate authority, well, the church, yes, the church then becomes subservient not to Christ, but to the person in the pew, the individual in the pew. That is to say, when the church becomes a hostage to the individual, the church then must bow to the needs and the wants and the wishes of the individual. Instead of pulling people out of their tiny worlds into God's word, everything in the church must be reduced to accommodate to the individual's world. Alas, tragically, God is put into a box, the word is restricted, and the preferences, the opinions, and the wants of the individual in the pew, they rule. For example, if the music of the church does not entertain the individual's musical tastes, well, the music must be changed so that the individual might be amused. If the theology of the church offends the individual's feelings, the theology must change so the individual's feelings are soothed. If the priorities of the church clash with the individual's agenda, well, the church must change its course and align itself with the individual. If the scriptures do not agree with what the preacher thinks, well, the scriptures, they must be twisted to comply with the thoughts of the preacher. And on, and on, and on we can go. Bluntly stated, when we disregard the Lord's word, when we disregard the Lord's word and uphold our personalized thoughts, we stand by the cult of self. And going the way of the cult of self is no different than what those ancient people did long ago. Once our thoughts, our dreams, and opinions become the source of our spirituality, we have essentially abandoned Christianity and gone the way of making up heathen myths ourselves. We have become fable makers. You who have ears, though, hear this. The Christian faith, the Christian faith rests neither on the myths of mankind nor upon the personal opinions of mankind. The Bible does not care about what you think or what you feel, for more often than not, your thoughts and your feelings are twisted with sin. Your thoughts and your feelings need to be crucified under Christ, not honored or revered. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on you. And me too. Dear baptized saints, the gospel, on the other hand, is about Jesus. The gospel which is preached to you from the apostles was not produced with their fingers. It was not invented by their imagination or taken from clever false myths of old. That is, those apostles do not preach the nothings of men, but proclaim to you in the Bible what they learned with their own eyes and ears, namely what they witnessed and received from Jesus. Indeed, the Christian faith is not an idea. It is not a philosophy. It is not an opinion or a fad. And it certainly is not a fable of mythological legends. But rather, the Christian faith is rooted in real time, 
in real places, with real people, in real history. It is founded upon Jesus. In Christianity, we have facts and the testimony, the eyewitnesses who learned from Jesus and witnessed everything about Jesus. We hear this, in fact, from Peter in our epistle reading. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Quote, unquote, Peter. Yes, Peter. He was an eyewitness of the majesty of Jesus. That majesty being that day when Jesus shined on the mountain with the brilliant splendor with Moses and Elijah. Furthermore, Peter was an eyewitness of the glorious Jesus who went from that glorious mountain to Jerusalem where he was crucified, died, and buried, and rose again. And so, dear baptized saints, since the Christian faith is founded upon, based upon, and sourced in the living, historical, and risen Jesus Christ, what that means is that you have sure confidence Yes, you have sure confidence this day. You have confidence that the cult of self is no longer central, but that you have been crucified with Christ so that you might live by faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. You have confidence that there is nothing that can reach back into time and space to prevent Jesus from going to that cross for you. You have confidence That there is nothing that can go back in time and space to keep Jesus from rising from the dead for your justification. You have confidence that Christ would have to be shoved back into the grave to make the Christian faith into a myth. You have confidence that Christ would have to be prevented from going to the cross to give any credibility to mankind's speculations and desires and agendas. You have confidence that Christ would have to be kicked off of his heavenly throne and stripped of his glory to be hijacked into the cult of self. Baptized saints, Christ died for your sins. Indeed, he died for all of your sins, exactly as the scriptures tell it. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Again, exactly as the scripture testifies. He presented himself alive to Peter then to the 12 apostles, and later to more than 500 of his followers all at the same time. He then spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned to represent him. This is your Christ. This is your salvation. No myths, no opinions, no conjectures, but Christ who lived for you, Christ who died for you, Christ who rose for you, Christ who ascended for you, for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. Confidence in that which is yours. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous Bright with thine own holiness Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org 
or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.